And I'm Maddie. And we are here recording Bunker Talk. No, oh, this, no we're not. Or this is not. That's, I'm just long. kidding. <laughs> you have to leave that in. <laughs> you can't edit that out. That is staying in the podcast. But no, we are not recording Bunker Talk. Sorry to fool everybody. Okay, Maddie just brought me coffee and uh, I haven't drank enough of it yet. That's That's all there is to it. That's it. I just haven't drank enough. I am drinking my second caffeinated beverage today, so. <laughs> so, we are here recording Lost in the Woods. Just a, a regular <laughs> episode, not a bunker talk. Just a normal, regular episode. But you can check out the bunker talk for this on our Patreon afterwards. <laughs> yes, you can. For those of you just joining us recently, like, you've only listened to a few episodes or whatnot. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you haven't heard is that once we, once you get to the end of the episode and you realize... Oh, why do I like still have lot 20 of... minutes left on here? Weird. It's because <laughs> if you listen to any other podcast, you know, podcasts get, you get really distracted when you do podcasts and different things like that. Sidetracked. So every time we get sidetracked, instead of leaving it where it is, we put it to the end most of the time. So that so, people who just are tuning in for the episode and the information can have that. And then the people who also care about us acting like fools uh, can also have that. Yes. And you'll also probably get to hear me mispronounce multiple things because... Multiple times every single episode. Some things yeah. just don't make sense. Yeah. And some things I... Or I, words that she thinks I made up. She, or... She literally <laughs> thinks that I just like sneak in made up words and she's like, you're trying to make me sound stupid. That's a good amount a of people word. that listen to this agree with me though. That's the thing. <laughs> we have some very exciting... Um, Concerning, annoying news? Exciting for us, probably a little bit more annoying <laughs> for you guys. We got our first ad. Yeah, so we got contacted about placing an ad on our episodes. Episodes. So it's a mid-roll ad, so it's going to be one ad in the middle of the episode. So just get ready for that. It's But the ad actually is going to be rolling for our previous five episodes. So if you hear one of those episodes and all of a sudden like an ad just bumps out it's because we have no choice over that so the first five are going to be kind of weird and awkward and then this one will be the first one that has like some sort of transition I'm going to try to figure that out today and if you don't want to hear the ad go sign up for Patreon because you'll get ad free episodes (laughs) also hiking with Hannah's coming out soon yes oh my gosh you guys I just really want to hype everyone up for this because it's fucking hilarious it's don't don't say that. This is our normal episode. This so normal I episode. Can, why can't I just drop like one F-bomb? there's already like five in this episode. Because it's freaking hilarious. You guys, it's so funny. It's really funny. You're going to enjoy it. It's hilarious. Today, we are bringing you the case of Aubrey Seiko. Which is a listener recommendation from Laura Niels. Yeah, thanks, Laura. Uh, So... It was actually really hard to find information about this case. I think partially because it is an older case and partially because it's a foreign case to us, so it's not local to us. But I was able to find this article in the Backpacker about it from 2014 written by Tracy Ross that was really, really good. She got a lot of feedback from the family on this article, and she even traveled the path of Aubrey, which is so cool. Definitely something that we would want to do, but it's a really good article. So you can find more information about it in there. But, so, we do apologize. This this episode takes place in Asia, where we are not familiar with the language and the words. We, yeah. did, we did look up 
everything. everything we possibly could that we didn't know how to pronounce. But like what's happened to us before, even looking it up doesn't really help us sometimes. It really just sends us in the completely wrong direction. Well, and also looking it up sometimes confuses us even more because we hear three different ways to pronounce something. So just let us know if we got anything wrong. We would love to hear how you actually pronounce it because I have literally absolutely no idea. We did try our best on this. We do apologize. Hopefully you can still understand the episode even with our awful pronunciations. Yes. Sorry for anybody from Nepal. We apologize. So much. There are even some German names in this. We apologize. So Aubrey Seiko, who is 23, also known as Glitter Girl, she loves yoga, traveling, she's an artist. She also plays the violin. Aubrey was traveling in Asia and she had been doing so for about five months. Jealous, I want to go backpack through Asia. Oh, you're going to want to even more and more than, well, kind of. There are there are things that will make you want to go more and things that will make you want to go less, but there's some pretty cool things going on in Asia. So she kept in constant contact with her family throughout her entire trip. When she arrived in Nepal, she was nearing the end of her post-college adventure. So she finished school and decided to take this adventure through Asia before getting a job, which I think is so smart. I will be doing traveling, but not because of a gap year and not because I finished school and not because I'm about to go to school. Yeah, all of those things are like a recipe for going missing. Pick like just a random time in your life that has nothing to do with like a bookmark of any kind. Yes. So she had followed the unbeaten path her entire trip. In Sri Lanka, she had searched for octopus in the Indian Ocean with a boy that she had a crush on. She had later volunteered at an orphanage and studied yoga in sweltering India. After that, she escaped the heat and traveled to Darjeeling, India. It was there that on a hostile rooftop that she saw the Himalayas for the first time and decided to visit Nepal. A two-day journey to Kathmandu, a day renting gear, and a seven-hour bus ride to the trailhead, and she was there. How cool is that that you're just on a hostile rooftop? And you're like, look at the Himalayas. I think I'll go there. Like, are you kidding me? That's amazing. Oh, yeah, that you were just like on the rooftop and you're just like, yeah, I want to go there. Yeah. And so you just go. So her friends and family admitted that Asia seemed to change her. The party girl that she once was seemed to calm and dissipate. Okay, so her future sister-in-law did talk to her while she was in Asia. And she told her that she didn't need a party anymore. And that she just didn't need all of that to feel energized and happy. Yeah, so it sounds like it was kind of calming her down and kind of settling her in and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Seemed to be making a positive. A positive change, for sure. So when she called and told her mom that she was planning a solo hike or a solo trek into Langtang, her mom tried to talk her out of it. She was planning on starting the trek the same day that her dad had hip surgery planned, and her mom was like, can't you wait? What if something happens? That sort of thing. Aubrey would not be talked out of it. On Aubrey's desk in her room, her mom, Connie, actually had a clock counting down the days until her daughter returned from her trip. And hanging on the wall near the light switch, Connie had hung a map dotted with pushpins of where Aubrey had visited and a red string linking the lines together. So undeterred, Aubrey assured her mom that she would be hiking in a national park and that it was tea house trekking so it's safe 
she said. What is tea house? It's tea like, house tricky? It's like refuges. Oh, okay. But they're called tea houses. That's cute. Isn't I that, like that so cute? I know. I love okay, that. Okay, and then for those of you who don't know what refuges are, refuges are hostels. For those of you who don't know what hostels are, hostels are like hotels, basically. But like, very cheap. Very cheap. They, depending on what they are, they cook you dinner and breakfast. And you also sleep usually in a large room with a bunch of beds and community a bunch style. of people. Yeah, it's community style. Shared yep. bathroom. Yep. Shared area, space. All that stuff. Stay. Super fun. You meet a lot of cool people. Very interesting. We loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I, We stayed in a hotel one of our nights. We didn't nope. like it. I didn't like it. I was uncomfortable. I like that they're called... Tea houses? Yeah. So, tea house trekking. So, it refers to staying in a lodge for each night of your trek. Almost all of the trekking in Nepal falls under this category. It allows for backpackers to travel with less gear because you have a bed, you don't need a tent, all Mm -hmm. of that, right? And you don't need as much food. It can be anywhere from a large, comfortable lodge with common areas to a small bamboo hut lodge within a forest on a steep hill. So there can be very big discrepancies between these tea houses. And if you look online and look at pictures of them, you will see that as well. I still want to. I like the tea. Yeah. Most of them have kitchens, communal eating hall, and a bathroom area. A basic bedroom usually has two single beds and a table. So maybe these are a little more intimate than the refuges that we stayed at that could have up to like 10 Which, or 20 people in them. I think that most of them were like four to a room was the most common that we saw, I think. I think eight to a room was more Maybe common. Maybe eight, yeah. So. But meals are usually included, except snacks and lunch, but those you can usually buy. Which is the same as refuges. Exactly. We always bought one lunch to share because it comes with a ton of food in it. Yeah. So we would buy one pack lunch and we would just share it. Yeah, but they fed us breakfast and dinner. Dinner, yep. And then we'd usually be able to stop by a store every yeah, couple we would, days. Yeah, we would get, like, fruit and bread and things to carry you in know, our pack. I always had a big loaf of bread on my backpack. We did always have a big loaf of bread. And in a lot of them, you have to pay for your electricity. Huh. Yeah, isn't that interesting? I wonder how you pay for it. What? How does that work? So it was on April 21, 2010, that Aubrey set out for her week-long solo hike. So she was planning on doing a week in Langtang National Park. Okay. Which, as we said before, is in the Himalayan mountains. So, Langtang National Park has begun to gain in popularity as the years go on. It is just north of Kathmandu and is less crowded, easy access alternative to Everest. Trekkers can take a week-long journey up the Langtang Valley and climb toward the Tibetan border and the towering Himalayas. There are bright colored tea houses along the way and is also cheap beds lentil soup, meat and cured vegetables, along with dalbat, which is all you can eat rice. After hiking, any of that sounds delicious. amazing. I know, it does sound I delicious. mean, it sounds good right now, if I'm honest. I'm kind of hungry right now, But, like, actually. imagine <laughs> hiking and then that's the meal that you... Mm-hmm. All you can eat rice. Sounds good to me. Now, one thing to know is that the U.S. State Department had an active travel warning for Nepal until 2011. Oh, cool. However, I did read that this was not commonly known by people traveling there for some reason. Why? Why was it? I'm not not really sure. 
Well, I don't know. Where do you go to get your travel warnings? I mean, I have no idea. Did we look up travel warnings for Europe? Nope. We didn't. No, we just heard what we would have trouble with. But yeah, so I mean, if the U.S. State Department did have a travel warning for Europe when we went there, how would we have been informed of that? I'm not sure. Do you, Are you informed of that when you buy your tickets? Is it just something you have to look up in a specialty place? Like, wh- however this travel warning was out there, it wasn't commonly known about. Yeah. At least from what I read. Okay, and here is what the travel warning actually said. I think. So it says, solo trekking can be dangerous. The lack of available intimate assistance. Immediate. Intimate? What kind of intimate assistance do you think people are going to need on their trek? I was thinking intimate as in just like people helping. (laughs) I don't know. That's just immediate. If you need intimate assistance while trekking. You will not get This is not the place for you to go. Okay. Nor is it the place to go if you need immediate assistance, which is what it actually says. Okay, go. Okay, so it's immediate assistance. So, and the lack of immediate assistance has contributed to the injuries and deaths while also making one more vulnerable to criminals. Well, it's interesting, too, that they put in there, well, there's not immediate assistance if you get injured. Oh, and by the way, you might die. Like, I, oh, I like that that's also, secondary. Yeah, also, also there are criminals. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, although it is not prohibited by local law, the government of Nepal has reiterated its strong recommendations against solo trekking. In separate incidents in the last several years, a number of foreign women, including U.S. citizens, in parentheses, by the way. Interesting that that makes a difference. I don't know. Okay. A number of foreign women, including U.S. citizens, on popular trails have been attacked and seriously injured while trekking alone. It is recommended that all solo trekkers hire a guide. This would cost about $20 a day. Yeah. So I also like attacked and seriously injured, but they leave the death and murder out of that part of it. To me, it... Sounds like at first that they were coming out with that it is dangerous because you, there's not a lot of assistance for you and you could get injured out while hiking. Right. But then it turns into that there are criminals and that if you're a woman, you will be attacked. Tracking alone especially. Yeah. I don't like it. It doesn't sit well with me either. No. And like I said, was not commonly known. And we've talked about traveling in Asia before. It's something that we want to do. And when I started looking up this case and other cases, I was like... Wait, what? Because I had not heard about a lot of these. And you know why? Death is bad for tourism. On April 21, 2010, she set out for her week-long solo hike in Langtang National Park. She walked down a two-track road where she encountered a simple open-air checkpoint that was staffed by one Nepali military policeman. Thousands of people pass through this checkpoint every year. Aubrey signed the trekkers registry, which they have at all of these checkpoints, and you are... You have to. you Yeah, you need to sign them. I mean, you could, if somebody wasn't paying attention, you could go without, but it is... But you're luck. supposed to sign them, yeah. So she smiled and waved at the policewoman as she walked on. So she hiked north. At 10 a.m., she arrived at the Namaste Treehouse. It's cute, I like tea it. Treehouse, not treehouse, teahouse. Did you say treehouse? I did. The I first did. time, too? Maybe. <laughs> there... 
tea houses, not tree houses, in case we said it wrong. Looking at that, my brain wants to say tree house because tea house is more common. Yeah, it's a new word to your vocabulary. Yes. So at 10 a.m., she arrived at the Namaste Tea House. It was a red building near the river. So while there, she met a trekking guide named Renzin Yonzin. Sorry um, if that's not wrong. sure when we looked it up, nothing came up. I apologize. Tell me if I'm how wrong I am because I know I'm wrong. I know that for a fact. He grew up in the valley and he guided tourists during his breaks, I assume from school. Oh, yeah. Haha. <laughs> I didn't finish the sentence. During breaks from his studies at the Kathmandu University. So the two seemed to really hit it off and they talked for hours. He even gave her a book called Ethic Groups in Nepal. So they were tired to separate rooms at the end of the night. So some even say that they may have shared a room for a bit that night. Yeah, only only they know. So in the morning, they plan to meet up in Kathmandu in two weeks' time. Yeah, so when she's done hiking. So they said their goodbyes and Aubrey went up while he headed down. Right, because they're going different directions at this point. Mm-hmm. So she headed up to where she would cross the Langtang River on a sus- ooh on a suspension bridge. Yeah, it actually does look a little sketchy too. I looked it up. <laughs> I take it. Then she would switch back up the steep trail. Yeah, and on this in this area there is a soft dirt hillside where a person could slip and fall into the rapids below. But she was seen at another village several hours up the trail. So we know that that didn't happen. So she was seen eating pizza, drinking a Coke, and reading a book. Reading the book, you guys, that she got from Renzin. Cute. Isn't that cute? At the Sherpa Lodge, Aubrey sat down at a long wooden table. Three young men in their late teens to early 20s struck up a conversation with her. Their talk seemed lighthearted at first until Aubrey mentioned that she planned to continue trekking to Riverside, which was the next village. The men told her that Riverside was too far for her to trek safely so late in the day. They continued to insist that she not go and that it was further than she thought. She stood up and said, Riverside is only an hour from here. Don't lie to me. And then she left. So I'm guessing at this point, she's like, why are they trying to get me to stay here? Like it's making her uncomfortable. She knows that it's only an hour further on to Riverside from where she's at. I would have probably continued on as well. I also would have continued on. I wouldn't have stayed if some men were telling me that. Right? Okay, so the trek to Riverside usually takes about two hours. So, one, two hours, same. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like she's a fast hiker, yeah. too. And trekkers are encouraged to sign the registry when they arrive, but Aubrey never signed one. In fact, she left no sign at all that she had made it to Riverside. So had she decided to go further than Riverside or had she never made it there in the first place? And if she had continued to go further, there was an army checkpoint about two hours past Riverside that she did not sign. And that checkpoint was near where a woman reported being raped by soldiers. So little bit of crime Mm -hmm. that she's coming towards at this point. So Lama Hotel is where she was hanging out with the three men and decided mm-hmm. to continue on to Riverside. So somewhere between there and the checkpoint, sure. she vanished. Yeah. So a week passed and then a few days overdue, her mother contacted the U.S. Embassy in Kathmandu. She was told that civil unrest, which was an uprising that was happening there, 
might have delayed Aubrey in the mountains. And after another three days, worry turned to panic when she still didn't emerge. On May 16th, 2010, Aubrey's dad flew to Kathmandu, where he vowed to bring his daughter home. His oldest son, Crofton, who was 25, went with him. They joined in the search. So Paul hiked along the idyllic scenery. He was actually limping because of his recent surgery. Yeah, you guys, I literally can't. Remember, he just had hip surgery the same day that she started her hike. Yep. He felt like his joints were grinding in their sockets, and he feared that it would pop out, leaving him useless in the forest. Oh my gosh. He was holding out hope that he would just stumble across her. Right, like he'd just run into her out on the trail, and she'd just been delayed or something like that, and he kind of thought that he would just magically find her. So he searched with the searchers from the U.S. Embassy, local villages, guide service, police, and the Nepali army. So between May 4 and July 1, over 200 people scoured the vast Alpine Valley that slopes toward the Tibetan border. They searched the trail by foot, air, and rope. So I'm assuming rope is where they searched in areas that were harder Mm -hmm. to get to. An American named Scott McLennan joined the search. He had led medical trips into Langtang for a decade, and he suspected that Aubrey had fallen victim to the young army soldiers who act as rangers in Nepal's national parks. They had a reputation for abusing women. Like we said before, one had even been accused of rape at a checkpoint Mm -hmm. or near a checkpoint. Some locals suggest that it could have been the river. The trail does hug steep banks in places and crosses the rapid waters numerous times. So it's pretty probable that it could be the river. Yeah, so there are a lot of places where a trekker or a backpacker could get lost, could fall off of a cliff or into the river or in a ravine. I mean, it's just like hiking anywhere. There are dangers all over the place. All over the place, yeah. So, there were also rumors that she'd been kidnapped or killed by hunters. Of course, you always have those. Or that she had been sacrificed and had been killed by witches who worshipped Kala, who's the Hindu goddess of death. Yeah, actually, crazy. Their goddesses and gods over there, the stories behind them are pretty cool. I do enjoy it. I would recommend looking into them because they have kind of crazy stories. Okay. It's kind of like Greek gods, but I think it's almost a little crazier. Okay. So a psychic claimed that three boys buried her beneath a pile of rocks where the forest transitions. Okay. Psychic in everyone, man. I feel like there's there's always a psychic. But I do have a cool psychic story that I just watched on a um like a oh on like a one of the shows one of the what are they called? Ninety minutes or not ninety minutes? Dateline. Something, something like that. And it was where a psychic called in said that she knew that the body was buried in the forest. When she took the cops out to the forest, she stopped, had, you know, one of her psychic little readings. And oh, and there was, like, a shoe sticking out of the ground? Yep, I and saw a shallow one, grave. Yeah. And then, turns out, she wasn't a psychic at all. She was just looking to get the money, and she was actually part of the murder. And what she said when the cops confronted her about it was, I didn't shoot her. Oh, good. But she was there. She ended up being part of it. So, you know. We're not saying that's the case in this one, but, no, you know. No, not saying that's the yeah, case no. in this one. But kind of funny that I think that's the first psychic that I've actually heard of that's actually not a psychic and is involved in the actual murder. Right. Because usually it's just, you know, people making up 
stuff. Wanting attention or... Or, like, yeah. either they're actually psychics or they're just making it up. But never have I seen anyone who's actually involved with the murder claiming they're a psychic yeah. to get money. I don't think I had seen that either. I don't think I've ever seen that except for that one case. Anyway, so Paul, by his fifth day, was struggling to understand. So he's a business lawyer and judge who's accustomed to order and predictable rules. But he struggles to see what brought his daughter here. He can't see the epic mountains or understand the draw of an exotic culture. He sees primitive people who can't be trusted. His physical pain is almost unbearable by this point, but yet he continues searching. I honestly feel like that's quite a few people who just don't really see the... The draw of certain things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think that your perception can really change how you feel about a place. If you have a certain mindset already, then you might not see the same thing as somebody who's more open-minded. Oh, well, I don't even understand why people people can't. I see it especially, like, I also see it when people hear about our trip and stuff. You can see people's reaction depending on what their draw is to that kind of situation. Mm -hmm. Like, people are like, oh my god, that's so cool. Where'd you go? What do you see? What this? People are like, you know what I hear a lot? I hear a lot of that's really brave. <laughs> yeah. Or I can't believe you guys did that alone. Yeah. So in all of this time, not one single shred of evidence turned up. On July 6, him and his son, Crofton, leave Langtang. Crofton flies home, but Paul remains in Kathmandu. He scheduled interviews and had meetings with police, and he met with embassy officials. So in mid-June, he Skyped his wife, Connie, to tell her that he would not be delivering his promise to bringing their daughter home. Because at this point, he needs to go home. Mm -hmm. So according to the article in the Backpacker, he said that as his plane lifted above the clouds, he looked down the vast Alpine kingdom and he saw billowing white clouds, miles of lush gunnel, and ice-encrusted mountains. He knows that Aubrey is out there somewhere, and that he has failed her. He turned his body to the window so that no one can see as he wept. Oh, that makes me so sad. I mean, but imagine, like, you're in the plane, you're flying home, you were unable to find your daughter... And you just look down there and you know she's down there, but you couldn't find her. Yeah. So in late 2010, the family started a campaign to start mailing letters to Hillary Clinton. Yep. This led to her getting involved and having the case looked at by government officials. Or somebody getting involved and having government officials. I mean, I don't know that Hillary Clinton opens her own mail. I don't know. But more than 8,000 letters were mailed. That is pretty impressive. That is pretty impressive. Okay, so in July 2011, Aubrey's dad, Paul, mom, Connie, and brother, Morgan, returned to Nepal. They hiked up the Langtang Valley. At the Sherpa Lodge, they questioned the owner, the cook, and one of the boys. All confirmed seeing Aubrey the year prior before she went missing. Although now, the owner and the cook have changed their stories and claim to have not seen her at all. I think, too, there's a lot, I read a lot about people not wanting to get involved, not wanting to be a part of whatever. They even went as far to say that if they had known she was going to go missing, they wouldn't have let her leave. Oh, really? Thanks for that, guys. Cool. 
It's almost like anybody would probably do that. So apparently when they tried questioning the cook again, the owner's wife screamed at him not to answer. So I, I really think this just leads to everybody not wanting to get involved for some reason. I don't know why. Very strange. Very strange. Maybe they don't want their tea house tainted with this is the last place she was seen. They don't want to be the last place she was seen. They don't want people to be scared to go there would be my guess. True. The family returned home frustrated. They sent private investigators in multiple times to investigate, all of which turned up nothing. The family also asked for help in finding a French woman whose name was Danielle. She was on the same path as Aubrey, but just behind her on April 21, 2010. Mm -hmm. So basically, they're starting to, like, look for people who signed the registry after her, things like that. Yeah, like they're see trying... if anyone saw anything. Yeah, so they're trying to contact people down the line. So in 2011, randomly, a Facebook page was opened as Aubrey with her name, her photo, like, all of that. And there was also a Yahoo account that was opened in her name. Right. And how horrible for the parents to have this happen, what, a year after she goes missing... Mm -hmm. someone's like pretending to be her on social media and stuff yeah and i wonder if they were like oh my gosh like maybe she's maybe she's okay yeah so these accounts were determined to be bogus they weren't her i don't understand why anybody would do that so they also dealt with fake ransom notes plural like what is wrong with people i literally don't understand no why well, and the Facebook thing, like, that That's really weird. The bothers me. Yeah, no. So the ransom things, it's still, like, terrible, like, awful, but I can get it. You know, people try to get money and stuff like that. Like Right, but what's the point of opening what a Facebook page? Exactly. What are you getting out of the Facebook page? That's what I want to know, because people making ransom notes, ransom letters, whatever, like, their goal is to get money out of it. But right. Facebook page, what are you what's getting? What's the purpose? Okay, so then in April of 2013, Aubrey's parents returned to Nepal. So it's been exactly three years since she went missing. Yeah, because it was April 2010. Mm -hmm. So they hope to remind police and military that they have not given up. They learned on this trip that some reports put soldiers near the Namaste Tea House on the day that Aubrey was last seen. So they had received an earlier lead about three men attacking a woman and dumping her in the river, but nothing ever came of it. Yeah, one thing that was kind of frustrating for the parents is that they couldn't really even find stats on missing, murdered, anything like that listed anywhere for Nepal. Death is bad for tourism, you know, because it really is true. Like, if you have a population that really heavily is supported by tourism, like, the last thing yeah. you want is for tourism to stop there because that's... Yeah, no, I know. So her parents actually kept her cell phone live. Like, continue to pay for it so that they could call and hear her voice and even leave her messages. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. In that article in the backpacker that I was talking about earlier, her dad said, I almost don't want to say this, but I think there's a chance that Aubrey made herself disappear. At the time she left, she was very disgruntled with Western culture. She dreadfully did not want to live trapped in a life like ours. She'd been reading a lot of Osho, which is an Indian guru, and another spiritual leader, Moji. Moji says you have to leave your family to find true enlightenment. There's a chance she just traipsed off and renounced her old life. 
which is possible but hard to believe. If that did happen, I would forgive her, but our relationship would never be the same. He said he always loved her from her bows to her toes, even to the point where it might have hurt her brothers, he said. When you love someone so much, it's easier to believe that they left you rather than that they're gone forever. Yeah. So the real question is, could she have left? Yeah, so uh, I don't think so. I I can see why her dad wants to believe that. I can see why that's easier for her dad to believe than that she is gone or that somebody murdered her or that something happened because... She had a good relationship with her family. She kept in touch her entire trip. I just don't see, like, even if she was disgruntled with Western culture, even if she was reading these Enlightenment books and wanting to make changes, it kind of sounds like she was doing that mentally already with this trip and not necessarily needing to Mm -hmm. abandon everybody that she knew. Yeah. And she never made it to another checkpoint. So what, she's just... Living in the mountains between these two places, I mean, I don't know. I don't see it as a very viable yeah, I don't option. Either. She also emailed her mom every day of her trip, and in her last letter to her dad, she wrote, I love you, Daddy Poo. She also recorded three songs for her dad before leaving home. So she had a good relationship with her family. I mean, I'm not going to say it's completely impossible that she didn't walk away from her life, you know. I feel like that that's never something that we can 100% dispute with a lot of missing people cases. Is that you can't really say, like, you that never, they You didn't. never know. You, you never know yeah. what might make somebody snap. Look at our large case. Like, nobody knows where he's at. No, and he did just run, run away. Literally run away. So, so, who knows? I mean, you really don't know. Maybe she did abandon her life. Maybe she was really looking for that enlightenment. You know, she picked a strange place to disappear, though. I feel like she still would have. She should. She, I feel like I she, feel like she would have written one last like em, emotional email to her family saying this is a journey I have to go on without you. And then I think she would have disappeared from there, not in the middle of this hike to this hike when she was expected back at a certain day and yeah. made plans in two weeks to meet up with that boy. It is true. I do think that she really just went missing. On July 31, 2013, the Seikos got a call from Don Lama, a Nepali man from Langtang, informing them that the police had arrested three men and they had confessed to killing Aubrey. This was confirmed by Patrick McNeil of the U.S. Embassy. According to him, an undercover Nepali police officer met a man who told him that he had murdered Aubrey. The officer befriended the man who later implicated the other two involved. It was reported that one of the men had Aubrey's camera and some of her clothing was found at a house of another. However, this doesn't end up panning out to anything. How? Exactly. I have no idea. They have her camera and clothing. And it was... Allegedly. I mean, I don't know. So... On August 1, 2013, the family receives a call saying that the men are being released and had changed their story. They are told that the police don't feel like they have any basis for keeping the men. What? They spent 28 days in custody. Is that not the craziest thing ever? He confessed to an undercover police officer, and then there was allegedly camera and clothing at a house. How is that not looked into further? Well, I think it was, but apparently it was either 
unfounded or they couldn't prove that the men actually killed her. One of the theories is that there was never a confession, that they were trying to shut down this case and they were trying to solve this case. And that these men were arrested regardless of who they were or what they actually did. And they're like, oh, we solved it. All is good. But 28 days later, they're released. So obviously they didn't have enough to hold them. So I don't know. This bothers me. But remember, at the last hostel that she was at, she was sitting and talking to those three men. So Was it the same three men? I don't know. That's what I'm wondering. Interesting. <sighs> the family does actually have a $25,000 reward in this case. It's a lot of fucking money. Well, I'm amazed. I just don't understand. All of these people changing their stories, changing their confessions. People are being arrested. People are being released. Like... How does nobody know what happened here? And what about these three men that she was talking to? So according to the Associated Press, Aubrey's dad found her laptop and journal at the last hostel where she stayed. And this was according to a family friend, Eileen Berry. But can't be confirmed. I could not find any confirmation that that really happened. So we don't know if that actually happened. Not and it's, sure. it's only in this one article from the Associated Press. I couldn't find it in any of the family's conversations, interviews, nothing. It wasn't in the article that I read. She actually interacted with the family and retraced Aubrey's steps. So I just don't know that that's true. I think maybe whoever this Eileen Berry was, was misinformed maybe, or it was something that she checked before she started her journey, which we've done before. So who knows? Because she didn't want to carry it. Yeah. Yeah. So who knows? We're not sure. Maybe it's something she was going to pick up on her way back. Yeah. We don't know. It's weird to me, though, that the family doesn't talk about it. And we don't know what's in her journal. If he really did find it. Very strange to me. There's a couple other crazy cases that we're going to tell you guys about. That also occurred in Langtang National Park. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in 2005, French woman, Celine Henry... And German, Sabine Grunickly. So these two women, they vanished five weeks apart. And this is crazy. So both were last seen in Nargajun, hopefully I said that right, which is a hiking park on the southernmost edge of Langtang Park. Celine, who was 31, signed the entrance register at the Nagajun gate on September 3 at 12.05 p.m. But she never signed out. She had served in Nepal as a volunteer and had stored her luggage at Hotel Pilgrim. She had told the receptionist that she would be back by evening, but she never returned for her luggage. So on October 7th, her family did report her missing. Later, they did discover that her name was in the registry, as we said earlier, but she had never signed out. She'd only signed in. After press from the family, a French ambassador went to retrace her steps on October 16th. So, a trekking guide had seen someone fitting Celine's description climbing the summit of Nagajin on September 3rd. After about 20 minutes worth of climbing, the ambassador discovered a water bottle, a black jersey, and a bra, and called for the police. They found a bra. Yeah. Why are we taking off our bras? Unless you're in some serious trouble. This person's definitely in serious trouble because they also found a huge, fresh blood stain. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So... They found fresh blood stains, a hair clip, and an area where tall grass had been flattened nearby. This was puzzling since Celine 
had been missing for more than a month, and yet this blood was fresh. So what they had actually found was the murder scene of Sabine Grunicki, who was 32, and she had been killed the day before. So this was the other missing tourist that was found, or that went missing five weeks after Celine. Jesus. But I don't think they even know she's missing yet. What are the odds? It looks like they don't. So her disappearance was discovered a week later when her Australian friend Peter arrived in Kathmandu and didn't find her in the hotel. Right, because they were supposed to meet up there. Mm-hmm. The two were scheduled to go on a trek to the Kumbu. The German embassy was notified and they checked the Nagajun registry. And sure enough, Sabine had signed in at the registry at 10.20 a.m. on the 15th and had never signed out. So under pressure from Celine's family, the French ambassador returned to Nagajun with a unit of French police. What they would discover would be shocking. They found items belonging to both women. They were scattered all across the mountain. They found Celine's keys, torn papers in German, and Sabine's driver's license. They also found passport pages from Celine's passport and a torn picture of Sabine and some nail clippers. Super weird. Super weird that both women went missing. Same area, same time. Yeah, crazy. So tourist guidebooks actually say this area is an ideal spot for bird watching and to acclimatize before a trek. There is a Buddhist shrine on the 2600 summit the gate is guarded by a unit of the Royal Nepali Army, and a dirt road winds to the top, and on weekends there are up to 50 visitors. Damn. So this is not even like a super rural no, spot. No, populated. Yeah. German forensic experts and sniffer dogs arrived in Kathmandu to help the investigation. This was after a widely criticized and inadequate response by local officials. Friends and family had been very frustrated with the slow-moving investigation. Which, by the way, seems to be the theme with anyone dealing with a crime missing or murdered person in this country, in Nepal. It seems like the wheels of justice turn even slower there than they do in other places, which I don't know why. It's like they don't even want to investigate them. Both disappearances happened on Saturdays, which is the busiest day. I'm pretty sure Saturday's the busiest day all over the world. I think everywhere. I will not hike on Saturdays. Let me know if you live in a country where Saturday is not the busiest day. Yeah, because here, you do not go hiking on a Saturday here. Um, You don't go anywhere on a Saturday. We were just out in town driving around. My anxiety level was through the roof with the amount of cars that yeah, were all over so the place. Yeah, so it's Saturday right now that we're recording this, and it was madness. Okay. So, both were European women in their early 30s traveling alone. Although the average amount of visitors on Saturday are around 50, on September 3, there were 150 entries due to a school outing that day. So, remember, September 3 is the day that one of our women goes missing. And there were over 150 entries that day. Jesus. So, how does this... Because this crime scene is not far from the trail. Yeah. Okay, I don't get it. So, obviously, finding these items belonging to both women suggested that they had a serial killer on their hands. These murders actually 
echo a string of murdered backpackers that occurred in the 70s by Charles Sawbridge. So, like a copycat then? Maybe. I have no idea. It's very strange. That's that case. Sasismo Souflas, who was 27, went missing in Nepal. He went there for a friend's wedding in Kathmandu and to do some volunteer work. He was staying at a hotel Tibet and left early on the morning of April 24th. He told the hotel he would return in a few days to collect his belongings, including a digital camera, mobile phone, credit cards, driver's license, and his diary. So his family reported him missing when he missed his flight home on May 15th. So his mother actually went to the airport to pick him up as planned, even though he hadn't checked in. He was last heard from while traveling into the Mount Everest region on the 24th of April. It was believed that he planned on heading to Everest Base Camp. He'd been staying at the Hotel Tibet and had never returned for his belongings like he said he was going to. His family refers to him as adventurous but responsible. Yeah. So he's still missing. Mm -hmm. Never picked up his belongings, never went home, Mm -hmm. nothing. And then on May 31, 2012, Debbie Mavu, who was 23, went missing. Debbie had set out on a six-day hike to Gusekunda, a lake with deep significance to the Hindus. She was expected home on June 9, but never made it. On June 14, her body was discovered. Her left arm had been cut off and she was decapitated. Her head was found 13 inches away. She was discovered near a hiking trail in Langtang National Park. She had her camera on her along with about $100, and her underwear were also intact, so they don't believe rape was a motive. Mm. But initially, they, some locals tried to say maybe she fell, like it was an accidental death. Yes, because usually when I trip, my head falls off as well. Well, and not only that, but ends up far away, and then people are like, well, maybe animals did that, and... People are like, and chopped off one of her arms? No. Very, very concerning. Also, her shoe was missing. Yeah. Well, and I feel like a shoe could go missing because of animals. And maybe the head could be moved. Foxes do really like shoes, by the way. Foxes and wolves. Coyotes. They like shoes. They really like shoes. Well, when I took my hiking shoes off the other day, Delilah put her head into my hiking shoe. Oh, it was very cute. She just, like, shoved her entire head right. (laughs) Well, she could probably fit her whole body in there. But, yeah, I was like, oh, get your head out of there. It probably stinks. Actually, I don't have very stinky feet. Well, so that is... The story of Aubrey Seiko. Yeah. Well, and the... I think the backpacker article that had the most information in it, it was called Gone Girl. That was the one by Tracy Ross. That's a good article if you want to go read more about this. I think that, to me, the most shocking part about these stories was that I had never heard of any of them. Not even one. A lot of people have gone missing there, too. Like, a good amount. It's kind of scary. But, um, yeah, that's our episode. Stay tuned for our uh, being terribly distracted the next couple minutes of your life. Do you want to listen to that? Yeah, remember we we got real distracted. Or I guess they don't remember because we don't. they're not going to know. But we got really distracted in the beginning of this episode. So, um, <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Uh, tune in for that coming up. And we want to give a huge shout out to our new Patreons. Yes. Yes. So, what is it? Is this like our third week of having Patreons? 
It's amazing. Yeah, awesome. Thank it's you amazing. You guys Thank are you so amazing. Much. I'm a little sad that we lost a Patreon though. Yeah, somebody, I might cry about it. Somebody dumped us already. That was like, quick. Well, hey, I mean, I know I you're used it. to getting dumped fast, but I'm not used to that. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh. It's going to be the Murray podcast once again. I'm sitting in the corner, going to say nothing. Dear. At least my cat's sitting on my lap. That's true. But I, I am starting to think that there's a possibility that your cat likes me better. So, huge thanks to Shauna Smith. Welcome to Patreon. Thank you for having an easy name to pronounce. Also, James Hawkins. Thank you for having an easy name to pronounce. And thank you so much for supporting us. And this next one, you guys, I can't. I literally don't even know how to even start saying this. Well, I know that it's La- Laura. 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 Yeah. It's not like Laura, like how we would pronounce it here or most other places. It's yeah. Laura. Okay, Laura, we're going to need you to plug your ears so you don't have to hear us butcher your name. <laughs> How does the O with the with the little? I told you to look that up. Sorry, Becca, I got distracted. So her name, just so you guys know, has one, two, three little hyphen things over letters, which we don't have that in our language. But we looked up this name. It does not exist in anywhere for us to learn how to pronounce. Impostor. Nope, that's not it. <laughs> that's not it. I don't even know how to say it, and I cannot do any kind of Icelandic. Um, accent. I wouldn't even whatsoever. know where to start. Lara, let us know how badly we butchered that. <laughs> Can you please, like, just, like, DM us, like, you saying it or something? Yes. Is- <laughs> Thank you so much for supporting us. We really, really appreciate it. You guys are amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for listening, you guys. Go check out our Patreon if you haven't checked that Go out yet. Go follow us on social media at Lost in the Woods Podcast. Yep, like us on Facebook at Lost in the Woods Podcast. If you join our Patreon right now, you can get a sticker. You'll get a sticker, plus you'll get a bunch of new things to listen to. Like, I'm talking like 30 plus things to listen to. Yeah, so check that out. And thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate you guys and hope everybody has a good week. All right, bye. It's cute. Yeah, I, I fucked up on a couple of them. It's fine. You but you're also it. supposed to, it's recommended that you like use the acetone afterwards that seals it in. I don't even know what the fuck that is. Because acetone? Nail polish remover? I don't know. Okay, so I got these like sticker nail things. They're like, it's very not me. Don't it's, look at me. I don't know what they are. It's very not me. But we have like a Halloween thing to go to and whatnot. And I just thought it would be fun. They're kind of a little Halloween-ish. But I hate painting my nails because literally 24 hours after I paint my nails, like five of them are no longer painted. So it's like telling me what to do, the directions to like put these on. And it's telling me I need to do like a base under, uh, or a, a base, not a base. A uh, base coat? Nope, not a base coat. An overcoat? No. There's something that you're... Top coat? No, it's not, it's not like... What the fuck? Are, what is it? I don't understand. I, I don't know. It's something you're supposed to put on the bottom, and then you put the sticker on. Yeah, base coat. No, but it's not a base coat. They call it something else. Then what the, What else are they going to call I don't, that? I don't know. It's not called base. It's called something else. I don't know. But there's like two things that they assume that the average... It says 
on there after you apply the sticker to coat the edges with acetone. And I'm like, I don't know what else. I don't know. But it, on the front of the thing, it says everything included that you need. Bullshit. And I'm like, bullshit. Bull crap. Like, I don't have any of these things. Then but, I was also a kid who got all the letters sent home telling me that I was distracting all the yeah, kids dude, around she me. She was so naughty and she could not focus. So she would, her plan of action in school was just to distract everybody else so that nobody was paying attention. <laughs> I got in a lot of trouble for that at school. That was like my number one thing on my report card was distracting others. Yep. But yeah, so. Mm, I do have another story that you can move to the end oh of Oh my gosh. Okay. So I contemplated calling you at three o'clock in the morning. Three o'clock in the morning. Remember, if you need to call me after you know I'm in bed, you cannot FaceTime me. You have to call me or the call won't come through. Okay. I'll remember that. Because my phone's on do not disturb because I don't want all the group messages. But I contemplated it at 3 a.m. Do I want to know why? Um, So I was house sitting last night and I'm there by myself. It's probably like maybe one by the time I go to bed so I have both dogs in the bedroom mm-hmm. I'm sleeping you know normal 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 I have I think the office was on so I had something on the tv hey that's what I watched last night too yes <laughs> what episode then, did you watch oh I don't remember I'm somewhere in season two right now because I just restarted the whole thing I think I'm I think I'm on season two as well um what episode did I watch we are um office watchers where I will literally just watch The Office in my downtime no matter what. It's really good to fall asleep to. And when I want to just go to sleep and just watch something mindless, I watch The Office. I could probably tell you what happens in every episode of The Office confidently. (laughs) We quote The Office all the time I could literally, like, I've never met anybody that knows more than The Office. So, anyway, I'm laying there, I'm sleeping, and then I hear the little dog. There's a little dog and a big dog. Little dog at the door, scratching. The little dog starts pouncing. Pounces on this corner of the door, which wakes me up, and then he barks. And then the big dog starts barking, but like under her breath, like a like a like a like a huh, like a huh. Huh, huh. yeah, but like short and under her breath, like what they do when someone's come, like someone opens the garage. Although she's probably or the big dog's probably just responding to the small dog, at this which is point. what I'm thinking. Yeah, but it's like three a.m. I'm <laughs> like, what the? Like, I'm in this house by myself. It is a pretty big house too. I like that at 3 a.m. you're going to call and wake me up and be like, Mom, what should I do instead of calling the police? (laughs) Well, my thought process was in case I was going to panic to call you. Or in case you were just like like letting your imagination run wild. Yeah, and for you to witness as I search the house just to make sure and if something does happen to me, then you can dial 911 and then hopefully first responders would get there before I died. Perfect. But. Great. Um, I don't know. And then I just was like, you know what? I'm not investigating this. I'm going back to bed. So I yelled at the dogs and then went back to bed. That, well, I mean, and that, did you cover yourself up with your blanket like it was going to protect you? No, I just rolled over. Okay, because in scary movies, people are always like, you know, or like it makes us feel better to have our blanket like that's going to protect us from anything. I just rolled over. <laughs> We're done. Well, that's I'm, it, folks. 46 minutes. I'm done. This is your full episode. We're leaving everything in. You get no case today, actually. No, nothing this week. Our you, case today was going to be on Aubrey Seiko, but instead, we are doing no case at all. And you just get to listen to us attempting to try to record. It's fine, but this is our lives. Like, 
we had exactly two hours to come down here and record really fast. And then, and then it's been 47 minutes. We have recorded absolutely zero. I think we did the intro and that was it. The intro was all we got. Okay. So extra long and talk, I guess. 